You're listening to the Kilcullen Diary Podcasts. Stories in sound from a village grown bigger. Everybody later agreed that the Thursday morning of April 19th, 1934, was a quiet one in Nace. Not least because it was the day after the annual Punchestown races, and most of the town, indeed most of the county, probably felt somewhat depleted. As certainly was the local complement of civic guards, which had been on duty in force to manage the traffic and the goings-on at the racecourse over the previous two days. It was a day to rest. But around lunchtime, and like a bolt from the blue according to contemporary reports, hundreds of people arrived by motor, trap and bicycle. Later estimates would suggest that 70 or 80 cars parked on the streets of the county town in a short time. A count offered in subsequent court hearings figured that some 700 farmers had come to Nace in a well-organised and conspired fashion. What then happened excited headlines of wild scenes in Nace and police cordons broken and similar. My grandfather, James J. Byrne, was one of those farmers. He was also among the first to be arrested and brought to trial in a consequent series of court sessions. The record of evidence in those hearings is sometimes hilarious, but it also reflects very serious political and economic issues across a nation which hadn't yet reached its age of reason, let alone any maturity. The whole episode echoed similar events which were happening all around the country where farmers were refusing to pay controversial land annuities. These dated back to the late 1800s, when the British government had issued loans to tenant farmers to buy out land. The new Irish state had negotiated a deal with Britain to honour payment of the annuities, but the de Valera government reneged on that, precipitating an economic war with Britain, which crippled an Irish economy very much based on farming exports. At the same time, the government insisted on collecting the annuities for itself. Farmers resisted and in turn were served with sheriff's seizure warrants. Back in Nace on that post-Punchestown April afternoon, the farmers streamed into the confined area of Basin Street and crowded up to the pound behind the courthouse in which were five head of cattle. Sheriff's assistant James Walsh waited somewhat anxiously. With the street full, later arrivals climbed on walls and roofs, lamp posts, and on any other street furniture they could find. By all subsequent accounts, they were in quite a jovial mood, with lots of banter and wisecracking. My grandfather, at the time a county councillor as well as a farmer and businessman, was among those who had come early. A number of civic guards under the direction of one Superintendent Heron came to deal with the situation at the pound. It seems that they came in for some good-natured heckling, but nobody was in threatening or fighting frame of mind. At two o'clock, Mr Walsh announced the opening of the auction for the five cattle, seized from a farmer named Farrell of Balnagapa for non-payment of £12 land annuities to the Land Commission. He asked for opening bids in what he acknowledged was an unpleasant duty. No bids were offered. When he repeated his request, 
There were a few comments, such as, put blue shirts on them and you'll get a sale, or there's no John Browns here, a reference to an abortive sale of cattle in Dublin some months before in similar circumstances. In the end, Mr Walsh declared the proceedings closed, with no buyer. The reporter for the Leinster Leader described how excitement then reached its highest pitch, and a section of the crowd broke through the police cordon and released the cattle. In less than a minute the five animals were free, he wrote, and then described how a wild, excited crowd drove the cattle through another police cordon, out of Basin Street and onto North Main Street, then were headed down the Salins Road. The crowd, fired up by their success in blocking the sale, ran on with them, whooping and cheering, while the police, who had been caught off guard, tried to catch up. At Old Town, the stampede was stopped by a line of police who'd caught up, their batons drawn, under the command of Chief Superintendent Murphy. For a time, matters looked threatening, and opprobrious epithets were flung at a plain-clothes detective sergeant, who was armed with his service revolver. These insults included a claim that the detective was a broy harrier, a reference to the former anti-treaty IRA men inducted to a special branch by Fianna Fáil-appointed Garda Commissioner Ned Broy. They were much disliked by the general populace, but especially by those who had supported the pro-treaty side in the Civil War. The detective, named James Kinsella, said later that he was on the point of drawing his gun when the crowd were admonished by some of their own, that we have nothing to say to the police. These peacemakers included my grandfather. Later in evidence, it was revealed by the guards that he had been asked to intervene, as he was a very influential man in the county. James J. Byrne stressed the fact that the guards were the custodians of the public peace and should not be molested. The crowd then turned and headed back to town, bearing the Mr. Farrell, whose cattle had been seized, on their shoulders at the head of the procession. During the melee, the cattle disappeared down Mill Lane, driven by a small party of the protesters. Three were later recovered by Chief Superintendent Murphy at Digby Bridge and the others at Osbristown. All were returned to the Sheriff's Pound, where they were to await a further attempt at sale over the weekend. Before everyone dispersed, names were taken by the guards of all those they recognised during what was to become known as the Nace Cattle Drive. The following Wednesday, James J. Byrne, County Councillor and Proprietor of the Hotel in Kilcullen, was one of nine farmers in the district who were roused from their beds at five in the morning and taken to the cells in Nace. They appeared in the district court later that morning on a charge of unlawful assembly and were later released on bail, but not before their solicitor upbraided Superintendent Heron strongly for his actions in arresting the nine in the early hours and incarcerating them in advance of the court hearing. Mr R. Coonan complained to the court that his clients were respectable farmers and all men with a stake in the country and certainly not of the class that is likely to run away. They were taken out as if they were condemned criminals and treated in a way that certainly is not in keeping with how they should have been in accordance with the law, he told Mr Justice Redden. The superintendent responded emphatically that he was simply carrying out lawful warrants 
and that more serious charges would be preferred against the nine at the next sessions, and that others who were not available that morning would also be charged. Justice Redden remanded the defendants on personal bail of £100 each with two independent sureties of £50. At the next hearing there were a total of 24 farmers in the dock. In addition to James J. Byrne, there were R. Brophy of Jigginstown, T. Lawler of Halverstown, C. Corrigan of Clane, P. Murphy of Carberry, P. Cox of Windgates, M. Higgins of Oriolstown, William Ennis of Gogan's Wood, J. MacDonald of Monreed, E. Robinson of Coolrainey, F. B. Barton, Straffan, P. J. Kavanagh, Timolin, G. O'Toole, Carberry, James Jackson, Kilcullen, P. Daly, Nace, W. MacDonald, Ballytour, F. and G. Carter of Kilmeag, T. Flood of Maynooth, H. Fisher of Dunlavin, H. Coogan of Ballytour, Michael Bryan of Grangemore, Edward Carton of Kilmeag, and N. Kelly of Staplestown. New charges were preferred, involving conspiracy to obstruct the under-sheriff in performance of his duty, and intimidation of those who had come to the auction to bid. The barrister employed by the prosecution, Mr. W. Black, described these scenes as a miniature rebellion with all the circumstances of terror and violence that constituted such in the eyes of the law. During the hearing, the undersheriff made it clear that at no time had the crowds been hostile to him and that those in it had been in good humour throughout. The chief superintendent, however, deposed that to his men those involved had adopted an independent attitude of hostility to attempts to make them come down from their vantage points. He also claimed that when he and his men intercepted the crowd at Old Town, they seemed to be possessed with hysteria and were maddened and infuriated, and he saw some who were frothing at the mouth. He added that it was the worst demonstration of malice and hatred that I have witnessed in twenty years. The case was adjourned for two weeks. At the next hearing, the defendants had secured the services of Mr. Fitzgerald Kenny, senior counsel and serving member of the Doyle and a former Minister for Justice. Counsel subjected Superintendent Heron to a gruelling cross-examination, including the following exchange. Mr. Kenny, was this a terrible riot? Superintendent Heron, I certainly say it was. Mr. Kenny, in this terrible riot, how many guards were injured? Superintendent Heron, none. Mr. Kenny, how many were struck? Superintendent Heron, none. Mr. Kenny, how many stones were flung? Superintendent Heron, none. Mr. Kenny, was there any act of violence? Superintendent Heron, there was an unlawful act. Mr. Kenny, Answer my question. Was there a R-I-O-T? Superintendent Heron. I was not there the whole time. Other evidences were given and cross-examined skillfully by counsel for the defence during that hearing, which was eventually adjourned. The newspaper accounts of the time showed that, generally, the statements of the guards were shown to be very much exaggerated when compared with other descriptions of the happenings of the day. There were a number of further hearings in that summer of 1934, during which my grandfather was re-elected to Kildare County Council as a Fine Gael councillor. 
He had previously been elected in 1928 under the Farmers and Ratepayers League banner. These resulted with the judge's decision in late August to send the 24 men for a full trial at the circuit court on charges of unlawful assembly. Among the details revealed in those hearings was the fact that the cattle seized had not belonged to the person on whom the sheriff's warrant had been served, but to a relation. So the original seizure itself had been unlawful. The trial came up for mention twice during the autumn and winter, in each case being adjourned at the request of the prosecution. In the spring of 1935, the state entered a nolle prosequi, and the case was finished. The court reporter for the Kildare Observer noted that it was understood that the fact the county was quiet contributed to the decision to drop the case. The truth more likely was the realisation by the authorities that there was no viable case. While the NACE cattle drive provided fun on the day and some real entertainment during the subsequent hearings, these affairs didn't always turn out bloodless. A similar confrontation in Cork on the 13th of August 1934 resulted in the killing of a protester and the wounding of several others by the special branch. It might well be that it was the intervention of James J. Byrne and his friends at the moments when Detective Sergeant Kinsella felt threatened enough to almost draw his own weapon which helped the nice affair from turning into something much more serious. I'm Brian Byrne. Thanks for listening.